Happy New Year, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome back. Hopefully you had a good holiday and a good break if you got a break. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. Before we kick it off this year, this decade, getting it fired up and ready, I'm going to read, we could call this the message of the week, the message of the year, the message of the decade. It's just a message. If my phone would unlock, I could read that for you. Give me just a second. Dun, dun, dun. This message is by a gentleman named Chris Winters. Uh, he's a, a serial nomad entrepreneur. This is a term I just became familiar with this week. Never heard that before. I just became familiar with Chris Winters this week. If, you haven't, uh, if you're not familiar with him, check him out. Uh, very transformative person. Uh, been quite successful recently, but he was a guy that got kind of started later in life. Uh, he's got a very interesting story. You can find him on a number of podcasts. So I was listening to a podcast this week, and and he popped up, and he said a really great thing that I thought really had a lot to do with my guest today and uh, the topic of discussion today. And his quote was, some people will gain a lot of success quickly, and they'll lose it. They'll, they will go back down. That's normally because they're so close to their old environment and their old selves. Completely immerse yourself in a brand new environment if you want to gain some kind of success, some kind of transformation. With that, I would like to introduce my guest today, a friend, a neighbor, mm. an old buddy, Joanne Derwin. I'll read a little bit about Joanne and her past, and then we'll chew the fat and let her digress a little bit on that. Joanne is the is a mother of two bilingual children and an experienced nonprofit manager, educator, and social justice advocate. Before initiating One World Project, Joanne worked at the Alliance for a Greater New York and Urban Agenda, organizations aimed at building a thriving green and just New York. Previously, Joanne worked at the Ford Foundation and helped manage three grant-making initiatives with a combined annual budget of $12 million. Joanne has also done research for Partners of the Americas and the Center for Public and Nonprofit Leadership in Washington, D.C., and spent two years working as an English teacher in Alicante y Barcelona. Bar <laughs> Barcelona, did I say that yeah, right? exactly. In, in España. Uh, the rest of it got cut off. No, she's an environmental study. She has is a graduate in environmental studies from the University of Colorado in Boulder and holds a master's in public policy from Georgetown University. You've been around a little bit. That's right. You kind of bounced around. Where are you from originally? So I'm from um, Millersville, Maryland, which is a Maryland. Sm yeah, a small yeah. town sort of between Annapolis and Baltimore, um, sort of suburban rural. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I grew up. Like greater DC area, but in Baltimore area, but like a little bit, a little, a little drive. Yeah. No, I mean, so very, uh, more of a drive. Yeah. Yeah. We actually never went to DC or Baltimore. We just oh. stayed in Millersville generally. <laughs> so it was long enough that you sort of had everything right there, but um, there was a farm down the street. Yeah. We, you know, muck stalls, took care of horses. Spent a lot of time in the woods, running around. Nice, that's yeah. great. Yeah, it was pretty. And you, you pretty in your bio, childhood. talked about some green initiatives. So that's something I know. You talk a lot about the environment, um, and and it's a big part of One World Project. Would you contribute your your childhood memories to some of that? I mean, some of it. I mean, certainly the connection to to the farm mm -hmm. um, was was part of is really big part of who I am. Mm -hmm. um, but both my mom and dad aren't very outdoorsy. Like every family vacation, we would come to Brooklyn. <laughs> They're both from... I was going to ask, what's the connection to New York City? Yeah. So my my mom, who um, passed away five years ago, almost today, um, is uh, was from Marine Park. Oh, cool. Um, and my dad sort of grew up all through New York. Nice. And so they met on Atlantic Avenue um, many, many years ago. And, um, and I've sort of always been enamored mm. by Brooklyn, and I had um, an opportunity to move to New York with the Ford Foundation after I went to graduate school. And so it felt like, in a way, coming home, right? And, and you spent time here as a kid. I did, yeah. yeah my, my, my mom's mom was here, so mm -hmm. we spent a lot of time with my grandmother. So were you and hanging out in Marine Park? Yeah. Special. Yeah. Marine Park. You can't buy those experiences <laughs> back Marine Park back in the day. Yeah. You ever hang out with Bobby Seeger back then? <laughs> <laughs> Not Bobby Seeger, but Uncle Joe. You don't, Uncle eh, Joe. You don't know. I don't know Uncle you Joe. Know. You know Bobby Seeger, though, right? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Who yeah. doesn't? Who yeah. doesn't? Do you know uh, Madeline Gomez? She's watching. 
that somebody I, you know? I don't know Madeline Gomez. Oh. Hi, Madeline. How are you? Good to see you. Welcome. Um, so did you, you stayed in Maryland through high school? Yeah. I, so I was born in Maryland, stayed in Maryland, and then in college. What drove two New Yorkers to like somewhat rural Maryland to where the, you said they had no connection to nature really what what brought your parents there was it work or work yeah, yeah. my um so my dad worked for the national security agency yeah, makes sense all growing up i was going to ask if it was a military connection yeah, yeah. so fort meade mm-hmm. which is pretty close by and the whole area is dotted i lived in norfolk virginia for a while okay. and just and i used to drive up this way all the time and you're just driving through like military bases like the yeah. entire way there's exactly. like that major was it uh, there's an Air Force base in Delaware or something like yeah, right tons. on? It's just crazy. It's just like, did, 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 like military yeah. everywhere. But yeah. like southeastern Virginia is like that's all it is. Is like military with shopping centers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So NSA. NSA. Cool. So, so yeah. So he did that, and um, I went to school my freshman year at the University of Delaware. And I oh, okay is that in Wilmington? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, you Newark. Do? Newark. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, and Did you ever go to Wilmington? I've like driven through it, but it's like, it always has interested me. I've just never actually like been inside and like, do you know anything about it? I, I, I know very little. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I just spent a so year in You didn't Delaware. go to DC. You didn't go to Baltimore. You didn't go to Wilmington. No, I mean. It's like, I'm gro- straight going to Brooklyn. <laughs> no, we, so we, growing up, we never really spent any time in, in Baltimore or DC, but we actually, my husband and I got married in Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. So do have a special connection with Baltimore as well. Gotcha. And then we spent some, and then I went to school in DC and right, lived there. It was great. Yeah. yeah. It was, I, I learned a lot, was, had my International city too. It's like. Yeah. Challenged, yeah. went to school with people I really respect. And, and what was your degree in there? Public policy. And that was your master's degree. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so prior to that, you went to school, excuse me. In, in Boulder, in Colorado. Yeah. So University of Delaware, spent a year there, had a great experience, but never dreamed of going to school at University of Delaware. In fact, mm-hmm. sent my parents a postcard, an aerial view of Newark, and with a little note that said, like, this is where you've left me. Um, so as soon <laughs> as I got I, as soon as I got there, I sort of thought about, like, where I wanted to go and where I wanted to transfer to. And um, and I've, I've always... I had always dreamed of my senior year of high school. I did an outward bound experience mm-hmm. and sort of that almost cliche of the transformative experience of outward bound. That was very much my experience. That's great. I mean, that's why it's there, yeah. right? I mean, it was that's awesome. Yeah, very. It was extraordinary. Dr. Uh, Wittick, Dr. Yeah, I think that was our principal at Severna Park High School somehow managed to get a grant to send a big herd of us, the on student government to go to. So there's a little trail of crumbs left for you. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was extraordinary. University of Delaware, then figuring out how can I do more work uh, with environment. University of Colorado made a lot of sense. And what was, what was your initial degree plan when you went to the University of Delaware? Well, I had already done, Outward Bound. Mm-hmm. And so um, I always say my experience at University of Delaware was very much like birds and trees, like very classic <laughs> environment. Envi- like I did biology, chemistry. Yeah. Um, and then I went to the University of Colorado and I took a really important class around environmental justice. And we started working on environmental justice organizing campaigns um, with primarily Mexican immigrants that were... Um, facing tremendous environmental inequities mm-hmm. uh, and then juxtapose against just tremendous wealth that in Boulder, right. Colorado. Yeah. And I realized... So it was, it was a local issue. A local issue, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I, and I desperately wanted to communicate with the folks I was working with and um, I grew up um, taking French classes. Mm-hmm. That's what um, I opted into in, in elementary, middle, and, and high school. And um, and because of that real desire to communicate and to try to be a force of change in environmental justice issues, I um, I decided I wanted to learn Spanish. So I um, you know I went to the University of Colorado and I said, you know I I have to graduate on time. This is a fortune to go to school. Yeah. Um, and so the one school that the one place that I could go study. Um, and still graduate in time, happened to be in Alicante, in in Spain. Mm -hmm. 
so I didn't have tremendous choice. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but by sheer accident and and incredible great fortune, I got to study in the south of Spain and have incredible professors. There are, there are worse places you could oh, have yeah. landed. <laughs> great food. Right. We took siestas on the Mediterranean. Like was, sherry for lunch every day. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a pretty... So when you, were you, did you set out with this intention of like the nonprofit and environmental justice degree program or was that something that evolved? Did you just start school? You're like, I'm going to go to college and figure it out. Is that kind of how it, it started? And then you ended up being pulled in a certain direction? Well, again, so I had this outward bound experience and then it was a uh, birds and trees and mm. environmental understanding. Then I had this, this broader perspective through coursework and experiences at the University of Colorado. But from the get-go, I knew I wanted to do something around environment. Okay. Cool. The shift really came in Colorado when I realized, wow, it's not only birds and trees. Yeah. Like, right. it's people. And so yeah. that, like, how do we as a society manage the needs of, like, the world mm -hmm. writ large, right? All the creatures on the world. So, um, so that moved me more towards uh, environmental justice, environmental studies mm -hmm. experience. Um, and then in Spain, I was, I, I studied and, and thought a lot about more of sustainability, um, especially at a place like Alicante, which had tremendous natural um, assets, mm -hmm. but were, were overrun at times with, with uh, endless tourists. And so how could a city sustain itself and and continue to grow economically mm -hmm. but in a way that preserves what in fact attracts people to the city in the first place and prior to landing in spain how much spanish had you studied none none i still that's great yeah very much remember like <laughs> on the bus they so we took a plane to Madrid. We spent a week in there. We had a ton of fun. We mm -hmm. also like went to a Prado, the Prado, but <laughs> mostly had a lot of fun. Then we took a bus from Madrid to Alicante. Oh, and I remember like awesome. going over this hill thinking like, give me the guidebook. I can't say like, I don't know how to say anything. Yeah. Like I need to be able to introduce myself. And so they, we like crested the hill and all of these families are waiting for us. And um, I learned how to say like, my name is Joanne. And that was it. And then I, we went, I, the, my host family uh, are these remarkable, amazing, generous, loving people. And um, they taught me everything. I mean, I also took classes, but they were right. so patient. And I remember like they would pick up a fork and say, tenador, and I'd repeat after them. Right. And one time they were like, mosquito. I'm like, oh, that one I get. You know, like, some of these I, I can. You're like, oh, you borrowed that from English. <laughs> I, can, I understand. But yeah, so I had this, you know, this. they didn't speak any English. I didn't speak any Spanish. Nice. We did a lot of smiling initially. Right. At least it was smiles. Yeah, yeah. I learned words like so the family they were great cooks and i learned to say like que rico the food yeah, and right. they were really happy with that yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah it was it was an, a remarkable and amazing experience so and that was and just complete immersion complete immersion so i really spoke nothing when i arrived um i also had really really great teachers mm -hmm. who like would assign us like tonight your your assignment is to go to the bar and to talk to people and and, and not get stabbed. <laughs> no, and don't not, say the wrong thing. No, and not and uh, like and because the best way to learn yeah, a language no, is, right. to, is it's, it's to talk to people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we had one of our classes was called conversation, yeah. right? So and we took an art history class. Anyway, Mar Armando Migueles and his wife Cynthia are the folks that run the program in Alicante and I'm so I the thing so I learned a lot of Spanish um, and I learned a lot of Spanish from them from my teachers and from from my host family um, Tatiana and Miguel Carlos are the mom and dad um, there and but I also learned um, a lot about about welcoming people mm -hmm. to a place and about sort of the sharing pieces of your culture and making people feel very, very um, 
at home. Yeah. Right. Mm. And so I, I always admired that about Armando and Cynthia and had, and after that experience wanted to incorporate that into something I did professionally. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of always in the back of my head. I wasn't sure exactly how to do it. Um, cool. Well, we're going to take a little break and get comfortable. Okay, cool. And we'll be back very soon. You're listening to entrepreneurial web. We'll check in a few. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, you're listening to the entrepreneur. Sorry, it's my first one for the year, for the decade. We had a couple of weeks off. I didn't have to say that. It's funny, like language is like we were just talking about immersion. And like I find when like when I'm teaching a class, when I'm teaching martial arts, I teach martial arts often. Um, when I take a little break, like there was no class for the, for the kids for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then I came back last week and started teaching and I'm starting to say my stuff and it's like I said this a thousand times and I was like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what's the matter with my tongue like what's going on so it's like you really have to practice the language which I've learned because I spoke decent Spanish for a while but now I live in like you know suburban Brooklyn and just don't have to anymore but like when I was working in restaurants in the city like that was it you spoke yeah, Spanish like, or you got nothing <laughs> you know at a, at a number of them and like now I'm like, I don't ever have to, you know, and so my tongue is like, wah, wah. it's like lazy. So sorry about that. Let's try that again. Rewind. Wheel it up. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, here with my guest, Joe Anderwin. What's up, Barbara? How are you? Good to see you. Hope you're having a good new year. Uh, if you're upstate, I hope you're enjoying it. Hopefully you have a little snow. It's been remarkable here, the weather right yeah, now. It's like really 50 degrees so today. Warm. Love it. Love it. It's great. So yes, back to our conversation about immersion and how that can really like, it just arms you for, it's almost like your back is against the wall. Like that's where like often the, the saying like pressure makes diamonds, you know, you're either going to crumble and, and just literally like die <laughs> or, or not survive or you're going to rise to the situation. So for you, your situation being just like dropped off, like parachuted into Spain. Yeah. But like, what could you say? Manchego? Hola? No, I could say <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, it and was, you had to, you had to work it out. Like they didn't speak English. You didn't right. speak Spanish. Right. And you right. had to, you, 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 you just had to do it and you had to rely. Like I love what you were saying about, more than just learning Spanish, you learned how to be welcoming and open-armed about mm. human communication, human interaction, um, which is gigantic. First of all, just for the human race, if we're going to survive, if we're going to pull this thing off, you know, forget about like being environmentally just. If we're just going to like coexist, a, a good amount of that has to happen, and more of it, yeah, than absolutely. what's than what's currently happening. 
And it's just like such a huge part of communication besides your words. It's like facial expressions, you know, body gestures. And that's a big one, I think, just like being open armed and, and just welcoming just changes the dynamic of everything. So if you're listening and you're a business operator or you want to open your own business, like write that one down. Um, yeah. You know, you can't you can't be like crossing your arms like I am right now and be like, no, you know, I'm not going to do this. Most of the time you have to be you have to be very open and, and welcoming if you want to if you want to get things done. Yeah, yeah, and authentic, right? And Absolutely. vulnerable. And oh my God, vulnerable. Put yourself yeah. out there. And, and you were like so vulnerable, right? You were just like, I know nothing. I'm just like knocking you back in the woods. Like you're yeah, like, I mean, naively, right? I didn't even. Well, sure. I, I mean, mean, we right. can all trick ourselves and tell ourselves we know so much, but we're all like really naive most of the time. Yeah. I have no yeah. fucking clue what's going to yeah. happen. But um, I was definitely very naive at yeah. like 20 when, yeah. or when I went to but that's, the that's huge that's yeah. I mean now is not the time to do it right when you have yeah. like children no, and no, businesses and was, to run and stuff you still have to be a little naive you have to you have to be humble but uh, that was that was the time yeah. but I think that's amazing that you did that and just did it in the fashion that you did you know just like I don't know let's just go let's yeah, like figure it out yeah there's a certain there's a certain uh, story of resilience that that people need in general like just in general like depression rates are high and all this stuff like resilience i think needs to be talked about a lot more and and how do you get that just by like immersing yourself in in this environment that you know nothing about and being vulnerable and and be willing to be taken care of a little bit and knowing like you're not going to pull this off alone you're going to need help what does that require you know it requires patience and it requires giving and all the things that you had to experience as as a twenty year old living in another country, but I'm sure you could say you've had to to rekindle a lot of that starting you know businesses and and, yeah, and some right. of your accomplishments as of late, which we can we can get to a little more uh, further on. I'd, I'd like for you to just like talk a little bit more about your experience in Spain and and how um, that interaction with the people there really changed your thinking as a young person and somebody who was like. I, you know, you want, you had this desire to do something for people and to do something, you know, you wanted to give in a way you got this lesson. Can you talk more about that and how it affected you? Sure. I mean, I, um, I, I didn't anticipate how important my experience in Spain would be for Mm -hmm. who I would become. Um, nor did I realize how powerful it is to go to another country and to learn another language in that immersion type of ex- mm-hmm. uh, environment. Um, France wasn't available. <laughs> so that's the thing. I didn't want to learn French. I wanted to well, learn. Well, you already knew French. Though, well, no, I mean, studied. I didn't know French. That's the, the irony. Oh. Like, I grew up all taking weekly French classes. Right. But in that pretty horrible language learning experience that the the, Some, mid, the mid-atlantic America, 1980s and 90s <laughs> no it was like worksheets yeah no, verb I'm, conjugation there was like a a thing that the profess the teacher would turn over when we could only speak french right he was also like the like maybe the basketball coach i mean he was from somewhere in the united states he didn't Hilarious. speak very french very well last name was smith something, something like, like that, that. Yeah. <laughs> um so so i didn't know much french I mean, I could, I think I, I could read and write better than I could speak French. Right. And then I went to Spain and after just three months, I was really felt comfortable mm-hmm. and confident speaking in Spanish and less so reading and writing because the experience I learned Spanish yeah. in Spanish was like the lived mm-hmm. language. Yeah. Um, and so, and I learned, I mean, I didn't know much about Spanish history or Spanish art and, and to learn that while living there. So I remember on one weekend trip, my, my a friend and I, decided to go find an El Greco um, mm. painting that we had studied in art history class. So we took a bus. We went to this little town hours and hours and hours away, found the church where it was. And this the, was another American friend? Another American yeah. friend, yeah. So really setting out there. And yeah. we there there we found it. And it was one That's of those awesome. like magical experiences. Yeah. Like, there it is. There's this piece of art that we had studied. We learn the history, we know the background, and to see it in real life. Yeah. Yeah. And then to make friendships with other Americans that are have that shared experience. And, and you know, uh, that was my friend Lauren, who is still one of the people. Right. Those I bonds care never break, right? Most about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Those bonds never break. And um, we set my husband, when my husband and I were married, we set, put her on the table next to my 
friend from college in the hopes that they would um, uh-huh. <laughs> get together. And now they're married and no, they have two awesome. kids. And so anyway, that's a lot of fun. I'm too. assuming you met Jaime in Spain. I did. Yeah. So <laughs> would that be ironic? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I I do say that like I fell in love with Spain first, and then um, and sort of was I wanted to find someone who loved me as much as I love Spain initially, uh, and then when I when when I I went back to school, finished on time as I promised my parents, and graduating, I was like, what What am I going to do with my life? that really scary moment of Mm -hmm. all that infrastructure that you have as a young person you don't have any longer and even if you're i mean i was living in in boulder my parents were in maryland but i still had a whole system of friends and support support. yeah yeah at the university of colorado so um i thought about moving home and then a friend from high school calls and she says why don't we just move to spain i was like well that's a, that's Great a good idea. idea so we went back to alicante and we both lived with um with just people we met mm-hmm. um there was at like a mark the market had like there you're we're looking for someone to rent a room so i rented a room with one house in one house and she rented a room in another house in the hope and expectation that we would continue to practice our Spanish and not only speak English to one another. And we started teaching English classes. Nice. And um, Armando and Cynthia were also incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. And um, again, I grew up uh, next to a horse farm, not far from a horse farm. And one time in Alicante, I saw a sign that said Pony Club, P-O-N-I. So I called and I was like, (laughs) Like, I know about horses, but I don't know the vocabulary in Spanish about horses, but I'll, I'll, you know, I'll figure it out. Yeah. So they gave me a job at this pony club, and I taught Span- little Spanish children about horseback riding. And then I, I would learn... <laughs> There's a lot of like, siéntate, siéntate. <laughs> like, no, I would learn That's things all you like, need to know. <laughs> dale fusta, which means like, hit it with the whip. Oh, yeah, so, I know that one. So, yeah. So, um, and I learned things like how to say elbows, like bend your elbows before Holly in normal conversation. I wouldn't have learned Yeah, that. right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so that was, you know, a wonderful experience. Um, and and one on one, and the other thing I did while I was back in Spain was um, I did the Camino de Santiago with Armando and his family and a and a group of about... 15 or 16 Americans. We did 100 kilometers, so not the whole Camino, Mm -hmm. from Leon, which is where his family is from, to um, Santiago de Compostelo. And, you know, we walked and walked and walked and had lots of blisters. And he would be like, no, have wine. You should have wine and then your feet won't hurt. So we had wine and we had clara and we had delicious cheese. Right. Wine and cheese. That's it. You're fine. We were fine. Keep walking. Yeah. So um, on the Camino, I met two Americans, and afterwards we're like, let's go to Barcelona together. So we went to Barcelona, and I had been there one time before, and so I was sort of pretending, like a little bit, like new friends showing off a little bit, and was like, you know, don't worry. Come with me to the taxi. And you guys got robbed. <laughs> no, and I we got into the taxi, and I was like, Al Porto, like, take us to, I thought they were taking us to the Olympic port full of, like, all the discos, but instead he took us to... El Porto, where all the bo- boats are boats, parked. Yeah. <laughs> so we got out, and I was sort of like humbled. I really know nothing about Barcelona. And we had a gigantic map out. And um, Jaime asked if we needed directions. So that's the, that was that's the story of how that's we met. Fantastic. And when now and he gets mad at me, he always says, I should have kept walking. You know, so that's... Oh, I have those stories too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we met there. That's awesome. Yeah. And your degree, what from uh, Boulder? What exactly was that in? It's it's called environmental studies. Okay. So yeah, was, yeah. yeah. So you continued along that trajectory. Yeah. Nice. And then I came back. I really loved teaching when I was in Spain, and mm-hmm. so went back to Boulder and sort of checked in with my professors and told them that I had this great experience in Spain. I taught um, English, and I loved teaching and they were like don't do it don't 
you know, you don't understand the people you were teaching in Spain wanted to learn. Yeah. That's not your, that's right. not going to be your You're not going to get that here. In they were like, don't teach. You should open a school instead. <laughs> that's probably no, not No, but I've always, said. so I've, I've always been sort of, but really, I, I loved teaching. But I, I also really respected them and it felt like they knew who I was. And were they referring profoundly. to like taking a teaching gig in the States, like Department of Ed? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to go back and get like a, a teaching Teachers, degree yeah, and then yeah. be an elementary school teacher or a high school teacher. Right. And, and they were they like, were, no, I hate it. No, don't do that. They were like very <laughs> probably, against. Probably the best advice you got. <laughs> cool. We're going to take another break. We'll, okay. we'll move on to the next hurdle, the next country <laughs> and situation when we get back. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. We'll talk to you in a few you're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back listening to the entrepreneurial web. I'm going to take my time and say it properly. <laughs> you know, it's what happened is the Spanish is just coming out to me. So I want to say, <laughs> bienvenidos. No, I'm kidding. You're listening to the entrepreneurial web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox here with my guest, Joanne Derwin, who started a Spanish immersion preschool in the neighborhood we live in, Windsor Terrace in Brooklyn called One World Project. Really wonderful school. My second daughter went there for preschool for two years uh, my first, my oldest did after school. Mm-hmm. My third is registered for the upcoming school year. But let's talk briefly about the beginnings and how Joanne and I got to know each other. Again, we live and have for a long time. You've been in the, in the neighborhood for a solid like 15 plus years, right? No, I mean, probably more 10 years, maybe 11 years. Eleven, at least because yeah. it was 10 years ago when we right. when we started everything. Yep. We've been there closer to almost 15 at this point. But um our oldest children, Nico and JC, are the same age. They're both. Is Nico thirteen yet? Yeah, he just yeah. turned thirteen. So JC's not quite. So this was this was going back almost ten years ago, and our kids were were three, roughly. And uh, for those of you that don't live in New York or don't have children or just don't know, preschool is fucking expensive. Around <laughs> just daycare is expensive. Like it's yeah. like it's like what I paid for a semester of school. And in my master's, like, that's how much it costs these days just for a kid to, like, go somewhere during the day and maybe not even get educated, just like, you know, play groups. So us being, uh, I think the entrepreneurial spirit was already there. Hustlers, 
watching our, our bank accounts and just having dreams and goals, but also how I'd like, we had no money at the time, so I couldn't afford it. And a lot of parents, I think, uh, and, and I knew about this because of parents who had kids just a little older than ours had done the same thing. This idea of a, of a preschool co-op where a number of families in our case, it was what, like eight families, yeah, something, something like, like that. that, um, get together, pull the money, hire a teacher, and hire assistant if if possible, or um, become the assistants yourselves and, and alternate. Some of them they they rent a space. Some of them it just goes like house to house, week by week or or biweekly, um, whatever the case may be. But it's just like this, you know, spearheaded by the families. You pick, you know, what you want to emphasize. And in, in this case, we got together. We met. I guess Michelle Greenberg kind of connected us mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and we ended up hiring a french teacher right, right? a teacher well she was going to speak to the kids in english but she right. was french she was yeah. french and there was going to be that french like that bilingual component mm-hmm. so they actually got some education and socialization and there were eight kids and and the parents were we wanted to hire an assistant and i think we even had one but they never showed up or something yeah, like that. The was, whole thing was a dream. Right? It was pretty, it was much, a total pretty disaster. much a disaster. Um, we, we had found a local church that was going to let us rent their basement for right. three days a week right. to host the school out of. And like right before the session was supposed to start, they like wanted to double the rent or something ridiculous. Right. They were just like, oh, yeah, we need a lot more money. And we we're like, no, that's not going to work. So in a scramble, we're like, what are we going to do? And I had an infant at the yeah. time. Ada was a few months old. And and we had a yard and a decent sized space. And I was like, well, you can use my place. I'll be in the other side with my baby. I can't help. So you can use the space. And the parents ended up alternating as assistants. Right. If memory right. serves. Exactly. And we did that, but we only did that for maybe. By by Thanksgiving, the whole thing was yeah, dissolved. Like, the, the, by like, a, for like a month. It was like ridiculous. It went, yeah. it went south so fast. And I think Michelle regrouped by like January and was doing something somewhere else in the neighborhood that was like too far for me to go. And then it wasn't long after that you started out of your place doing Spanish, correct? Do you want right. to talk about the, the humble beginnings? Yeah and, yeah. and after like such disaster and just like failure, essentially, <laughs> it was just like, oh, the whole thing, just the ship sank quickly. Yeah. We all just jumped off. Right. I mean, I think to me, it was an important learning experience in sure. that, like Absolutely. how hard it is to to organize people and um, find really competent teachers, mm. make a budget work um, in uh, in an educational setting, yeah. right? Um, so after that all imploded, um, uh, we were trying to figure out what to do. I don't know, I, Nico in the end went to um, a public preschool. Um, At three? At four. Oh, okay. So, I don't. I don't. So, so later that year, you didn't. I mean, we didn't do anything. That was just like, yeah. So sorry, JC. You're year, gonna. I was like, JC, you're gonna learn how to run a business, and she just <laughs> went to work with me all the time. <laughs> I mean, so I was working full time. We had a babysitter who we were working with. So, so what were you doing at the time? So I never that's asked that. Yeah. So I was working. Um, I mean, your bio, I guess. Coalition building yeah, yeah, in yeah. in New York, connecting progressive business with the labor movement and mm-hmm. community organizations. So uh, I, I, you know, I felt pretty, I felt like I knew what I was doing. Like I was really good at coalition building mm-hmm. and thought, so, so I thought, and, um, and then I couldn't figure out how to get, are you like implying our, that our later, <laughs> later experiences? <laughs> no, like a, our yeah. like little baby co-op. Yeah, we couldn't get it off the ground. Ridiculous. So, um, so Nico hung out there and then we ended up enrolling him in a public school while I still had that back of my mind, like, wait a second, couldn't we do something in Spanish? Mm-hmm. That's initially what I really wanted to right. ensure and, and to shore up with our kids. Um, so Nico's Nico's out of public school and had a really, because he didn't have any school experience, the first foray in terms of like drop off was out of public school with one teacher and 28 kids and and he was like, Mama, like, where are you going? So he cried and cried and cried. And so I just hung out in the classroom 
for a long. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And where was this at? Because 154 wasn't. No. So, people, um, I mean, we this when our kids were in preschool, you had like we tried to get into a place called Bean Sprouts. Yeah, and, and we did mm-hmm. like a a play date, and we right, go sure. failed it and didn't get in. And uh, <laughs> How do you fail a play date. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but um, we didn't wow. get offered a spot. Then we tried to go to a place called Chickpeas, and they didn't have any spot. Well, chickpeas too, right? And so, right. Well, there was also an issue with saturation yeah, at the time, right? So it was just like so, it was so competitive. You're, we're talking about like nearly Park Slope, yeah. and just babies popping out. I think the year Nico and JC started 154, they said that was the biggest incoming class of kindergartners they'd ever had. I mean, yeah. it was just like it's huge. 2009 was a hot year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or not yeah. nine. Um, sorry, 2006. Six. Yeah, yeah. It's a good year. Yeah, good so, year for kids. <laughs> so we, um, so we just, you know, so I was, so he had this public preschool experience at a school in Marine Park, actually, because back. Marine Park had tons and tons. Jesus, of you had to commute to Marine. Open no wonder spot. you stayed there. You were just like, well, I got to be back in a few hours. Yeah. Anyways. So and it was well a half out. day preschool right, program right. so you went you dropped him off and then you had to pick him up at 10 30 was it doe or it was yeah it, with yeah. A, in a public school yeah. um mm-hmm. so that was good and it didn't cost the upk fortune. thing hadn't happened yet no it was point, just like right? a uh, yeah but um so he was had had this experience so in part i was incredibly grateful that we were able to find him a place that um in a public program but then when i was hanging out in the classroom because we hadn't done any pre school experience with mm-hmm. him. What I actually saw in the classroom, I, I had some concerns about. So you, you were in Marine Park. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't enamored by the, yeah. um, so the teacher was very effective in classroom management, but, I bet. but also, um, you know, uh, shaming children into yeah. doing things and not doing things. And then, one experience I remember in particular is the kids were asked to to, to um, make snowmen, and she had the teacher example of what the snowman was supposed to look like. And Nico was incredibly creative and wanted to do use all sorts of colors. And she sort of wagged her finger at him and said, "Like Nico, a snowman, snowman does look like that. It's all white, and the big snowball has to go on the bottom." <laughs> and I just thought, "Oh gosh, that visceral like shouldn't be like that." And then on Saturdays he was taking. Um, Spanish classes um, and I was also hanging out in the Spanish classroom because he was also like mama so I got to see what was happening in the Spanish classroom in that you know the teacher in the Spanish classroom what had made this massive sun with the kids they were gotten all dirty there was like orange and yellow and pieces of paper and after the she let the the sun dry for four hours and at the end of the class, she cut up the sun and gave everyone a ray of sun to take home. Aww. And it was like, yes, that's it. That's that's how it should be. And so Nico's Spanish teacher was Monica. Who, oh, of course. This all, this totally makes sense. Yeah. So after amazing, cla- amazing. Af- so after class, I was person. like, Monica, Monica, what are you doing? Let's start a school together. And she's like, whose mom are you? <laughs> but I'm sorry. <laughs> I could no. just see this interaction going down, knowing yeah. her. It's so funny. Yeah. And so that was what? That was 2011. Yeah. Right? Yes, exactly. 2011. So um, Monica and I met, we read, we reflected, we were really inspired and realized like this isn't a totally crazy idea. Let's start a yeah. school together. And we couldn't find a place that would rent to us. Right. So we started in our living room. I tell the story that. You know, we had a house that had a living room and then Monica came and then it was sort of like... We had a school with bedrooms. <laughs> yeah, a transformation all of a sudden. Yeah. It's a classroom. And we started there and it was just with, a couple, with Elena because Nico was already in kindergarten at the time with my younger oh, daughter. Oh, right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and she was what, two at the She time? was I, two, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So with her and there's a listserv called Brooklynitos for Spanish-speaking families oh, okay. in Brooklyn and I posted like does anyone want to learn Spanish with my daughter um, and we had like maybe four kids that started with us and it grew over the course of the year mm-hmm. to about 12 and then we were at about 16 
And in the same same fashion as we had tried before, just kind of co-opt. You guys are just running it. It was like cash only operation. No, no, I mean, much more in, formal. Oh, okay, given, you went legit. Yeah, maybe that our, was our problem. Yeah, our. Ah, uh, Jack Wilson's listening. This guy's a teacher too, so he went to he did the fellowship with uh, uh, Patty. Oh, cool. Uh, so my wife's a high school math teacher. For those of you that don't know, she's a New York teaching fellow fifteen years ago. Hmm. And one of the things that I've always we've always admired about you is she's always talked about starting a school. Like we've, you know, our pillow talk has been about like starting our own school many times and like, you did it. We're like, holy shit. Like, sleep <laughs> badass. So, yeah. All right. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few. We're going to relax and, uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about one world project and what it really cool. has become and what it stands for and all the amazing things that it's done. We'll be back in a few listening to the entrepreneurial web. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media. My guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com All right, everybody, welcome back. You're listening to Entrepreneurial Web. Your host, Jeremiah Fox, here with my guest, Joanne Derwin, who started One World Project, a Spanish immersion preschool located in Windsor Terrace in Brooklyn that went from her living room. She was literally doing it out of her house, but legitimately so. Yes. Got an EIN, act like a big girl. Yep. Got that tax yep. ID number. Yep. And uh, we needed liability insurance. Yeah. Well, that, I remember when we were, our first discussions with when we were doing it with, uh, you know, with Michelle and all those people like that came up and, and I remember, I remember personally being like, nah, man, just keep it cash. We ain't got to worry about it. <laughs> Cause I had done a, a couple underground operations myself at that point. It was just like cash only cash only, no insurance. They're going to get us. But yeah, it's a good move, especially with kids. And yeah, of course. and then, yeah. and you guys even looked at the space that Della ended yes, up taking yeah, and, yeah. and it was just like, nope, this is this like, whole place is a liability. There's, there's no HVAC system. It's <laughs> been pulled out by very angry oh, yes. departing tenant. Yeah. Uh, Go for it, crazy. Jeremiah. It was crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah right? <laughs> I was like, hold my beer. I got this. <laughs> what a nightmare it's been. No, I'm kidding. It's been great. Um, but, um, and you you eventually, was the next move subletting the Kings Bay Y? Yeah. So we so we set up. Well, at, you, got, you got popular. I remember that. I remember people saying, because Ada was, Ada was still only like one. And when she was two, she, we did another pop-up thing that had already been in, in establishment for a while. Um, you might have known Maria. I can't remember her last name, but um, she just like roamed the neighborhood doing it for like 10 years. Wow. Um, she was actually a, a public school teacher. And she was teaching somewhere around on the west side around Houston or Canal on September 11th mm. and quit that day. She was just like, the what happened to her in the classroom with the kids? She was like, and, and I think mm. she felt that the DOE didn't really address things in a way that like she could uh, psychologically handle and be around kids. And, and she was just like, nope, I'm done. And so she just did pop-ups specifically in Windsor Terrace. Mm. 
um, for the better part of 10 years. When she, she finally moved away, she like moved to some farm. She was, she was a New Yorker. Um, finally moved to some farm. Um, there was like a going away party for her and they did it at Greenwood playground. I like, I knew a lot of the kids, but never knew that, that they had, you know, taken her, her classes. Um, and, and some of them, you know, Ada was probably like seven at the time, but there were kids that were like 16 that I knew when they were younger, but never knew. It was just like really great, but just like dozens of kids that came out. But Ada had done that, and, and that was the same thing where it went. It actually went house to house on a biweekly basis. And if you were, if it was at your house, you were the assistant. Yeah, you know, and provided the food, and it was super cheap. But no cash only, no insurance, all yeah. that stuff. But I remember hearing people talk about One World and like this place is amazing. And I, you know, I remembered our experiences, but it like it got popular really fast. Yeah, I mean, we you worked were, really hard to make sure that um, the curriculum met kids interest Mm -hmm. and i mean i frankly feel like we put so much love into what we were building and monica and i worked really 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 hard and you know quickly brought on sylvia to help with the finances Mm -hmm. and to and to really lead up the the administrative team and uh it it felt really really good and so we we outgrew our house plus it i mean for especially for our kids there came a point was like you know i just want to veg and it's hard when there's like 12 kids here in my living room (laughs) (laughs) so we moved we sublighted space from the king's bay y and we were there for two years um and that's kind of nice because you didn't get yourself i mean it's good and bad right because you pay higher rates than you probably normally would right um but you're not bound to to a long-term lease you're not responsible for so many of the things that go into that like actually having a lease in the building like any issues you kind of just like passed on to them and they they had a lot of because children were going there they had a lot of the uh insurances and and things like that in place already correct for you to yeah to operator i mean we did the same thing with nanny goat hill when we were doing the wine bar oh, right. at crossroads like they had the liquor license they had we just came in and did our thing and like got out and when they were like we're leaving we were like so we buy <laughs> you know yeah. and got the hell out but um so in a way, you, you, you had like a little incubator, right, to practice, and you ended up taking both of the spaces. Were you just in the one side the first year? No. So, you were using both. Yeah. So, I mean, we used both spaces from the beginning, um, and you're right. It was, it was uh, less scary in a way because we didn't right. have to sign a long-term lease. Um, there was already a fire alarm system in place. Infrastructure we were, built yeah, out, all this, that stuff. Right. Yeah. It was, an, I mean, I... And we were able to get permitted by the Department of Health pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So we did all of that. And we were there for two years. I mean, in the end, um, because it wasn't our lease, we would have liked to ex- possibly extend. But, you know, after two years, they were ready to grow into the space that they had right. leased to us. Because they weren't really using it during the day. They weren't. No, the not at the time. But now they... Now they yeah, now they do. Full, full functional. Right, yeah. right. So... You know, I came a point where we had to find a space to move into, and so we looked at a lot of different. Oh, places. I remember going to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we saw some, we talk talk. There was talk of building a space. There was like yeah. all kinds of craziness yeah. and looking at some old old buildings. I remember going with. It was Marzuki, right? Yeah, he and I exactly. were like in that old building at Holy Name. Like, will this stand up? That that was a crazy crazy. Yeah. Experience that building was nuts. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I still I still would love to find a way to make that building. Oh, it's, I mean, it's amazing, but like it's still empty. Yeah. But it's yeah, full of asbestos. So how so, did you end up in? So you ended up in a church ultimately, anyways. Well, so I in those two years of subleasing from the Kings Bay Way, Kings Bay Y, I learned a lot about the Department of Health mm. and Department of Buildings and the Fire Department and understood that it was really challenging to change the certificate of occupancy. Mm -hmm. And so if we were to operate in a religious organization, then we could get a letter of no objection. Um, So we just did like, I just looked at Google Maps and overlaid (laughs) religious institutions and started calling people. That's so street. That's awesome. I love that. So called people. And that church was pretty much not being used because we, when we first moved to Windsor Terrace, we lived right across from that church. And even back then, like 15 years ago, nobody was doing anything. Like there was a summer camp in there, but like they never 
There's no yeah, it services. Was, there was nothing ever happening, really. Right. And when we, so they called us back at the International Baptist Church, and they were using the space for Sunday services mm-hmm. um, at the time, and but it was empty at all other times. Right. And so initially we shared the space with the church, but then um, that was subleasing from the International Baptist Church, but then they were able to find space in the 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 larger church on Coney Island Avenue yeah, in the circle. Yeah, sure. mm-hmm. And so we had the space to ourselves. Amazing. We started doing improvements. We, we uh, thought initially it was going to be, <laughs> yeah, it was going to be like maybe 50,000 and it ended up costing us $200,000. I know that story. To yeah, get yeah. the space up. The dollar was the same way. It was like, Oh, this should be like $150,000. Yeah. And it was like, Tick, 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 tick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now we're there. We love it. And we, you were able to expand your, your offerings in a big way. And you got UPK right around the same time, right? UPK it, status. And, right, right. And really, like, there's a there's a big waiting list. Your school is very sought after at this point. Yeah. Correct? I mean, we have yeah. a preschool. We have an after school. We have camp programs. But most importantly, we really want to be a community center. Right. And to be a place... You for, offer classes for adults in Spanish. You guys do like get togethers and yeah, a bunch of lots different and things. lots of different things. So before we wrap up, I wanted to I've wanted to bring this up because when Ada was leaving to go to to public school, she was she was going into kindergarten. Uh, there was a little, a little questionnaire, and it was like if there was one thing about one world you would change, mm-hmm. what would it be? And my answer was offer kindergarten through Mm. fifth grade so I don't have to send my kids to public school and they get to stay in this really awesome space. So you got 60 seconds. What is the future of One World? Is that going to happen? Will Naya go to One World through (laughs) fifth grade? Uh, Quick. You got 45 seconds now. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, I think think what we do really, really effectively is early childhood. Yeah. And we also do after school Mm -hmm. really effectively. So that's what we're going to continue to do. We, I do dream of opening a second location, maybe okay. in Sunset Park. Nice. Um, and there are a group of parents who have been inspired by One World Project that mm-hmm. are trying to start an elementary school. And ultimately, I think you you want to share like your experiences, right? So that would be good. Like, yeah. Like sharing the framework of like, this is how you do this. And, and be, Spreading like you said seeds. early, what, you know, like be welcoming, be open armed, you know, yeah, uh, you absolutely. guys do a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a big environmental component to One World Project. There's a lot of birds and trees and just like really great things. And I think you, you probably want to share the framework of that to see like, doesn't have to be One World Project, it can be other things, but, but mirrored after that and, and share that, that with the world. Yeah. We'd correct? love for, yeah. for more yeah. programs like ours to to get up and running and want to be part of that. That's awesome. So hopefully this is a really great way for you to start your year. Just awesome messages, start your decade, start your week, the month, whatever it is. Um, I, there's a lot of really valuable lessons you share with Mm. us today. So thank you. It was really awesome having you on the show. Yeah. Thanks, Jeremiah. Oh, my pleasure. All right, everybody. We'll check in with you next week. You're listening to the entrepreneurial web. Have an awesome weekend. Peace out. Okay. Take care. Bye. Talking alternative radio. 24 hours a day. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Talking Alternative. 
you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 